Um, if you need a Bible, put your hand up. We're going to look as we prepare for communion uh, from Paul's, one of Paul's letters, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 uh, to 8. And uh, the title is Pressing On With Your Walk With Christ. Pressing On With Your Walk With Christ. So put your hand up if you need a Bible. And um, we've got some other references as well, but you'll see them on the overhead as we, uh, as we go along. So Pressing On With Your Walk With Christ. Colossians chapter 2. Verses 6 to 8, and if you're using the Church Bible, that's page 1183. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So just two verses, Uh, but there's a lot in there, and uh, we're going to explore them together. So... Uh, hopefully this is working this week, there it is. So first of all, I want to talk about a moment in history, and a moment in history that many of us here have had. And that moment in history is when we received Christ Jesus as Lord. Verse 6, uh, when we received Christ Jesus as Lord. And all of you uh, will have your own testimony uh, in that. There might, it might have been a specific moment, it might have been a journey. Uh, there's many different ways in the Bible we get people confessing, you know, you are the Christ, and we have people walking on the road with Jesus, not really realising who he is, and suddenly it all becomes clear. So there's many different uh, testimonies, but the fact is, if you're a Christian, there was a moment, there was a moment when you recognised the fact that you're a follower of Christ, that you looked at the word of God, and you realised your need, uh, that without him, uh, we're doomed, really. And uh, we repented, we turned to God. We trusted in what he achieved on the cross and we get baptised and we're filled with the Spirit. This is a moment in history um, and it's good to have that moment. And of course it's new birth, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So I'm looking forward to the baptismal service and that's what we recognise, that we die to ourselves and we now we live for Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone the new has come. And that's that when that decision's been made, that we're going to become a Christian, we're going to follow Christ, we're going to trust in the cross, and I'm going to live my life accordingly. That's the decision. Repent, believe, be baptised, be filled with the Spirit. And the Bible calls it new birth. It's our spiritual birth. You know, when Nicodemus in John chapter 3 uh, approaches Jesus, he comes in the night time, doesn't he? He doesn't want to, you know, he knew what he was on about, so he thought, and Jesus talks to him about a new birth a new birth. He says, well, how can that be? I can't go back into my mother's womb. And it's a, he's talking about a spiritual birth. And that is important. We're spiritual beings as well as physical beings. And we need to be reborn. Reborn. That's why some people have this term, don't he's a born-again Christian. They, they like to say that if they, if they think he's a Christian, he really means it. Uh, he's a proper one. You know, he's a bit nutty. Uh, born-again Christian. Of course, you can't... Well, you can't, it's born-again Christian is, is not right. Um, if you're a Christian, you are born again. Uh, It's like saying you're born again, born again. Uh, But no one says that. They say born again Christian because he really means it, which I suppose is a good uh, description. But when we're born again, spiritually, uh, it's the beginning, isn't it? Who has a baby and doesn't expect the baby to grow up? We expect a baby to grow up. The journey has begun. It's certainly not ended. We're on this walk with Christ. It's a new birth. We've been born to live in Christ, the Bible says. But what else? We're not just born, we're born to grow. And the Bible says we need to grow in Christ, to grow in him more and more. Birth isn't the end. Verse 6 says continue to live in him. 
You see, it's this journey, isn't it, that we're, we're on. I'm on it and you're on it. Uh, you might be on the journey not yet having said, um, uh, I've received Christ Jesus as Lord. Well, you need to make that decision. You know, it's the truth. Uh, the Bible is the truth. The evidence is incredible. Uh, you need to make a decision. You need to be able to confess Christ as Lord. You can't pay for your own sin. Well, you can, uh, but it's a costly price. Uh, yet God wants you to be with him forever, uh, which is an amazing love, an amazing grace. And that's his vision for you. He wants you to be with him forever. But you can turn away and say, no. But the journey must begin. And for the rest of us, we're on that journey. Continue to live in him. I remember the excitement when I first became a Christian. And mine was a bit of a journey. I was kind of, I would say what a midwife would call a difficult birth. Um, in which that I received Christ Jesus as Lord uh, when it suited me. Uh, if he's Lord, he said to me, get baptised. But I didn't do that for five years. And I resisted and resisted. And then when I was baptised, I felt, well, I've been properly born. This is what we're about. We're a Baptist church. We have baptisms. And it represents new life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So I was a bit of a problem child uh, as a Christian. You know, it took me a while. Uh, but we need good spiritual birth. We need that. We need that. And you need that if you haven't done that. You need to commit your life to Christ. Otherwise, who are you committing it to? You're committing it to the world. Yet the Bible says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you'll be able to test God's good and pleasing will. We spoke about that Alpha just this past Thursday. You know, don't conform any longer. You've got to turn to Christ. That's what repentance means. Turning, a change of mind. But we need to continue to live in him. Uh, any Bob Dylan fans here? Five. I bet there's more than that and you're just a bit shy. Depends how old you are. Who said that? Uh-huh. You're quite right. You're quite right. But I'm pretty sure he sung a song in his sort of folky song-singing way. Um, I think I'm right in saying this, because I didn't look this up, and I'm hoping I've got the right artist after all that. But didn't he sing, The Times They Are A-Changing? That was him. Oh, it's more than five years now, isn't it? Can you see that? <laughs> Don't you feel that at the moment with the world? The times are changing. You know, the world seems to be, well, it is spinning on its axis, but, you know, it, it just seems to be changing at a rapid pace. The political arena is, is a challenge. Uh, I would imagine some of our youngsters will be getting, the intelligent ones, uh, will be getting their doctorates, their PhDs, writing about the political landscape and the way it's changing and the unexpected uh, surprises and the law of unintended consequences of what goes on. Or social justice, that's changing. There are needs in our community to keep it in politics. I think I'm right in saying this. Margaret Thatcher once said along the lines of, look, the state can take care of its own people. We don't really need the church. Church can get on with whatever they want to do, but the state can take care of the people. Yet, here we are where the state actually sometimes can't. And we have food banks springing up. Letters, official letters coming from uh, the benefits people to people that are really struggling, saying, if you're, you know, we're cutting this and we're cutting that, if you're getting hungry, find your nearest food bank. All of a sudden, the, the churches are important because churches are one of the main, uh, main funders of food banks. And I feel that the state generally is beginning to uh, rely more and more on faith groups to provide. Um, when you look at the recent tragedies, it was quite, you know, you'd rather they didn't happen, but to see the reaction of churches and mosques and other faith groups was incredible. Uh, they had to tell them, didn't they, to stop sending stuff. 
but I wonder if that need's going to increase. Um, you know, the, the books aren't being balanced. There's probably going to be more cuts at some point. The church has an opportunity to respond. The church uh, already is the biggest employer of youth work in the country. It's the biggest helper to parents with its various groups that go on. Uh, some churches have contact points for vulnerable people. So a father may be able to visit his child in the context of a church, where else other times he wouldn't. There's lots of things. Uh, the food banks, the clothing. And isn't this the gospel what Jesus says? You know, feed the hungry, clothe the poor. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? And we might think that we're in Billericay and that stuff's not going on, but there is need. And I wonder if it's going to increase. And I wonder whether we're prepared to get our hands dirty and help because that's what we've been called to do. The church should be at the forefront in her mission to serve a community and to reach people for Christ so that they, as well, in verse 6, can say, I have received Christ Jesus as Lord. Because that's our intention, isn't it? We, we love mission, and we love service, and we love helping the community, but we also want them to be in the kingdom of God. They must make that decision. I've received Christ Jesus as Lord. What will it take? Um, I don't know about you, and, and uh, I, I did, when I was preparing this, thought, do I say this because I don't want to be too condemnatory and I always have this umbrella that you should leave this place feeling inspired and, and ready to go out as Christ's ambassadors and change the world. And I still want you to believe that. Um, but I wonder if I can challenge you because I've been challenged. What would it take? Sometimes I feel, even though I made that decision many years ago and I did all the things that I was supposed to do and I still try and walk as best I can, sometimes I feel just comfortable. Do you ever feel that in your Christian walk? It's reasonably comfortable. I mean, we might think it's hard, uh, but really, it's not. It's quite comfortable. And I like feeling safe. You know, I don't particularly want to go and find danger or get uncomfortable. But I, I don't think I'm meant to be comfortable, and I don't think you are either. I think we're called to be a little bit uncomfortable, and I think we're called to chat, be challenged by the needs of the world and the community. I don't think I'm meant to be at ease with injustice or hunger or hurt and broken people. We're just saying, shalom, my peace. You know, shalom, this wholeness, this Hebrew word means wholeness, togetherness. That's what God wants for his people, yet there's so much hurt and broken people around. I think God thinks that we should be a little bit uncomfortable, that we should ask questions of ourselves and what we're doing, that we should take our discipleship seriously, that we should take our mission seriously. And, and I'm, I'm, I question sometimes, is my vision for my life or vision for the church or your vision for your life, is it too small? Because we serve a Christ and whatever image I've, I've got of him, it won't be enough because he's bigger. And I've seen, we've seen lots of stories of where Christ enters into a situation and new life happens, new growth happens. And I do believe, and I hope you do as well, that God is already moving and the church here is growing. But I question, now, what, what else is there? What more can we do? I mean, when I look at all the things that are going to go on in the past, no, I'm up there, that's my sermon notes, isn't it? But when Kevin put the notices up, and I thought, well, there's loads going on. You know, we're busy and we don't want to be too busy that we get burnt out. Uh, is this term, isn't it? We want to be focused, not frenetic. But we have got a mission. We're in here. That We're in here, but there's a world out there. God is already moving, and the church is growing. I just wonder what that means for our future. We're already looking, aren't we, at the CIO, the Charitable... Uh, you think I'd know this, wouldn't you? Charitable Incorporated Organisation. 
uh, and the way we structure things. And it sounds like business talk, but it's not. It's not because we're a business. It's because we want to be a missional people and set ourselves up in such a way to be efficient and effective in our church. It's not just because we fancy it's a good idea. In fact, it's a huge amount of work behind the scenes. And we've got to vote, haven't we, at the next church meeting and think, I can't remember how many resolutions there are, six or seven. And it might seem a bit boring, actually. I think I'll probably be a bit bored, if I'm honest. But if we can get that through, if we believe that's of God, it's going to really set us up for the future. Yeah, ministry is being released and mission being effective and the structure uh, serving us rather than us serving the structure. But how do we reach these people? We've got new ministries. I mentioned that last week. We've got, you know, uh, the... Uh, the um, you think I'd know the new ministry as well. The games evening and the, bringing, uh, the food evenings that are happening, these fellowship uh, dinners, uh, really good. We've got Gary's looking at lots of stuff to do with schools work. You know, we've got a great youth work here, which is brilliant. Uh, he's looking at this uh, TLG initiative, Transforming Lives for Good, which churches, again, are getting involved in. These are for children that are probably going to get excluded, but rather than wait till they're 20 and they're in prison and we've got to help sort them out, let's get them early and walk with them and nurture them and help them. So there's lots of good things happening, but how? We've got to ask the question, how do we reach the 40,000 or so people in Billericay? Because when I look at you, and I'm very grateful for all of you and the, and the other two congregations as well, we're the tip of the iceberg. You know, they, the, the, the surveys say that um, roughly about 65% of people in this country would call themselves a Christian. Uh, realistically, less than 10% are going to church, but because I'm not good at maths, let's say it's 10%. And let's say the population of Billericay is 40,000, well, 10% of 40,000 is 4,000. I knew that. That was my little joke. <laughs> it's 4,000. There are not 4,000 people in our churches. If I brought all the churches together, there are not 4,000 people. And what are we going to do about it? Here in Perry Street and the other places, how do we reach them? Because I think we're reaching the tip of the iceberg. Are we going to get serious about our mission? And is it going to be costly? And is God going to call us to get a little bit uncomfortable? Because the mission is too great to ignore. And I'm going to be exploring that with the elders very soon. But Matthew, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, didn't he, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. I think, I really believe, God is saying, it's time for us to get uncomfortable and take this really seriously. And what are we going to do? How are we going to get uncomfortable? And we've got to work that out together. But I think it's time. I think, we've had a, I think you've had, uh, the, you know, the last few years have been reasonably tough. The last year, probably more tough because I came. But we feel like we're, we're kind of, we're doing this. So what's next? What, how big is our vision? What do we believe for? Can we dream big dreams? Can we see God doing big things? And can we take advantage? We wouldn't, we'd rather not have it. But can we take advantage of the fact that society increasingly will need faith groups to help? And can we get involved in that? We need to say, along with Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, we make it our goal to please him. We're not here to please ourselves. We're here to please him. And it's time for me to ask questions of myself and of you to get challenged, to get that little bit uncomfortable. So why and what has all got this to do with pressing on with your walk with Christ? Because birth is the beginning and discipleship is the journey. And we're looking way ahead in the preaching plan that we'll go through a series on discipleship. But eternity is waiting. You know, birth is the beginning. The discipleship is the journey, but eternity is waiting. 
Now, the other Sunday evening, she's disappeared. Ruth, is Ruth gone? She's where? Good old Ruth, excellent. Brilliant, she's mentoring, which is good. Um, so the other Sunday evening, she preached, and she was really good. Um, but she, she had a verse which really resonated on the Sunday evening, and we really felt uh, it was um, of God. And it was basically saying, we've been born for such a time as this. This is our time. And last week we said, didn't we, do not dwell on the past. See, today I'm doing a new thing. This is our time. This is your time. Here in the church here, this is our time. What are we going to do with that time? What sort of legacy do we want to leave for the next generation? How uncomfortable can we get as we reach out, as we get more intentional about our mission? In that, we need to be committed to Christ in our walk with him, in our discipleship, so that people in this town know us, know us as his people. And we need to ask the questions of ourselves. We need to ask questions of the way we use our, our, the things we have, buildings, people, resources, ministers, and say, is it effective? Is it going to help us reach the 40,000 people that are lost? Are we going to get passionate about that? But of course, to witness to them, we need to be pressing on in our world. We need to be authentic people. And there's a whole mix of you here, some who have had new birth very recently, some decades ago. But we need to take our discipleship uh, seriously to be the people of God. So pressing on, uh, walking with God, uh, to be effective, Paul lists a few things. He says in verse 6, continue to live in him. Um, I remember you know, the early years, I was very excited, uh, I was going to evangelise the world, uh, hundreds of people are going to know Christ just because of me. And uh, that vision has not been fulfilled. Um, but I'm still working at it. But you can lose that excitement. You know, the best evangelists I've found are the new Christians. They can't stop talking about it. You know, to the point, even as a Christian, you might get a bit embarrassed. You know, what, do they always have to talk about Jesus? Can't we just order our food? You know, isn't God wonderful? He's providing, you know what I mean? They're so excited, which is great. But as time goes on, we can get a bit worn down and we get into uh, habits maybe and maybe we're not taking it seriously. But Paul says we need to continue to live in him. Continuing to walk with Christ. Otherwise we lose our way. We lose our way. You end up following a leader or following your friends or following the world. But do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. It means I've got to commit to him. We do that. When we come to communion, it's a reminder of who we're committed to. It means I submit myself to him. In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the world, what the world is saying is, you know, religion's had its day. You know, Mark Zuckerberg tried to, I don't think he said it in quite those terms, but he certainly was starting to compare Facebook to it. Or faith is stupid, it's good for you, not good for me. Well, that's illogical, it's either true or it's not. It's time for us to get uncomfortable and stand up for our God. It's time to be rooted in our faith. Um, most of you know, I like a game of golf, and uh, there's a course uh, that I play overseas called Laranjal. You know it's called Laranjal? Because it's oranges. It's in this orange thing, that's what it means. And there's loads of oranges everywhere. And I was reading that I thought, well, the amount of water that must take uh, to feed all these, you know, water all these oranges. But apparently what they do, they train the roots. Did you know that? No. I didn't think you would. I didn't, I didn't either. I didn't either. 
Uh, they train the roots. If they water them too much in the early years, they get dependent on it, so they don't really develop. It's, life's a bit too easy, and the roots don't go deep. But if they withhold the water a bit, the roots go deeper and deeper and deeper into the ground. They're trained to search for the water. And that means when the dry time comes, those trees are the healthiest. But they've been through a bit of pain. It's been hard. It's been a bit sacrificial. But the roots go deep. And then they can sustain uh, much, much longer. In dry times, they're much healthier and hold out for longer. We need those deep roots. And where do we put our roots? Well, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, literally, in itself, in the Word of God. Jesus revealed to us as witnessed by the Scriptures and we render the Word of God and we want to walk in the Word of God. In the Bible, Colossians 3, verse 15, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I love it that we are known as a church that preaches the Word. And we should preach the Word. And if ever I preach anything that's wrong, you should tell me. But also, we're not just Word. You can read this book, or this collection of 66 books, and it can appear wooden and not really life-changing but it's amazing with the Spirit of God. And so we need to be word and spirit. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I mean, let that sink in. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, we will receive. What are we doing with it? Are we just that bit too comfortable? Are we not challenged enough to approach people or witness to people or set up the food bank or give the old clothes, whatever it is. I'm not suggesting they are the thing. I'm just saying, what are we going to do? The most people are not in our buildings. They're out there. And God says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you power. We have that power. But are we just a bit too comfortable? I love it when people share pictures and visions. We've had that recently. Or power encounters. We see the glory of God. We're saying that, the glory of God shining all around. We want that. We want more of that. We need to be praying for more of that. Galatians 5.16 says we should be living by the Spirit. We need to be listening to him. What is he calling us to do? Is he really saying, yeah, just be comfortable, get on the cruise liner, forget that you're supposed to be a lifeboat? Galatians 5.22 talks about our character. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we're growing, hopefully, in all those things, but it's time to ask questions. And it's time to actually ask those questions and say, I need to get a bit uncomfortable. I've got to get a bit sacrificial. There's work to be done. Galatians 5, 25, uh, verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And that's what we want to do. Word and spirit together. And if we really embrace that, then verse 7, we'll be built up, we'll be strengthened, and we can go, verse 7 again, on being a thankful people, grateful to God, who is going to work his power within you, who his word says can do immeasurably more than you can imagine. So I want to challenge you this morning. Is church just a bit too easy? Safe? Is it radical? Maybe you think it is. Is our vision, our dreams, are they too small? Do we really believe we can reach the town? God says he can do immeasurably more than you can ask for or imagine. What can you imagine for us as a church in this town? What can we imagine about the various ministries? And God says he'll do more than that. Will we take him at his word? And would we just get a bit uncomfortable, because I believe he's got great plans. And I think the plans will happen, but he, 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 get, he catches us up in those plans. 
And that's a, that's a privilege. And he, where his hands and his feet, his mouth, his ears, there are a lot of hurting people, both in the church and outside of the church as well. Would we believe him and take him in his word that he'll do immeasurably more than we can imagine? Will we be sent out because he says, you are the ambassadors for Christ? Will we take his mission seriously as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you? Will we see Jesus' mission? I didn't come in to condemn the world, I came to save it. It's great to come in here and worship God. And I'm actually glad it is a safe place. Because it could, it could not be. Um, but I do want us to get maybe a bit uncomfortable. And I wonder if that's what God's challenging us on. To dream dreams. To think big things to see new ministries, to see lives changed. And I'd love you to share, as you pray about that, as the weeks and months go ahead, if, you've, if you feel God speaking to you in any way, please feed it back to us. Because we've had a few things said to us already, and we're trying to test it. So please feed back to us. Think about the mission. Think about the... Just think what we could do. We're doing all right, but we could be great. I really believe that. I think God's got good plans for us. Uh, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for those promises in the Bible. And we want to we say to you this morning, Lord, that we will take you at your word. We believe in you. We believe in the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. As we prepare ourselves for communion, an ordinance that you laid down for us to remember your great sacrifice, we come to you in gratitude. And I pray, Lord, that you'd nourish us both physically and spiritually. And I pray that you'd send us sort of excitement about the future, about the possibilities with the changing face of the world, the opportunities that the church, your church in this country, can rise up and show. I pray we get fresh ideas, fresh expressions, that we'd be free in the Holy Spirit while we keep our feet on the ground in your word. I thank you, Lord, that you, you bear with us uh, in, our, in our failings, in the things we do wrong, but you rejoice with us in the things that we do right. And we really want to commit ourselves and this church to you. We are yours and so is this church. And pray your blessing on everyone here and I pray for the excitement, the passion, the vision. In Jesus' name, Amen.